Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about motivation. I hear about motivation a lot in my private practice, and I see that as a common thread in my private Facebook group about how to motivate kids with anxiety or OCD to work on their issues. If you're not in my private Facebook group, you should join as a side note, because there are a crazy amount of ridiculously supportive, kind-hearted people in there. And you can go to facebook.com backslash groups backslash AT parenting anxious kids and get a wealth of support from these other parents who are going through exactly what you're going through. But a lot of them are struggling with motivating their kids because many of us, myself included, know what our kids need to do, or we read and listen to podcasts about what our kids can do to beat their anxiety or beat their OCD, but we fall short with our kids because our kids are like, not going to do it. I don't want to do that. That's stupid. I don't want to talk about it. That's dumb. Or stop talking about my anxiety or that's not my anxiety. I just want to do that. Or that's not my OCD or stop talking about my anxiety. (laughs) Does that all sound familiar? Well, if you're having a hard time with motivation, then it probably does. So I'm going to break out this episode into three different areas. I'm going to talk to you about why kids don't want to work on things typically, why it doesn't help for parents to take on certain parenting approaches because of it. And we'll talk about what those are. And the last part will be, how do you motivate kids who are not motivated? So stick with me. We're going to break it out into three different parts so that you can see kind of what's going on and then what do you do about what's going on? So for starters, let's talk about why kids don't want to work on things. Are they just being difficult? Now, some people who don't get anxiety or don't get OCD will think their kids are just being difficult. And that's just, I think, really sad. Because a lot of times I'll hear parents say things like, well, what's the big deal? I mean, we're all a little nervous about certain things, right? But why can't she just do it? Or I face my fears all the time. You know, I go to work and I have to present things and I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. Why can't they do that? And I think sometimes when we over-normalize anxiety, we over-normalize OCD. You know, we all have bad thoughts. I mean, a thought is just a thought though. Yeah, but you don't have OCD. So you're not being overwhelmed with these thoughts 24 seven. There's a big difference. So I think for some parents, they just don't get anxiety or OCD. And if you have a partner or a relative or somebody in your world who doesn't get OCD or doesn't get anxiety, I did make podcasts purely for those people (laughs) because there's so many of them in our world, right? So if you haven't listened to those episodes already, go back and listen to episode episode 49 and 50. So 49 goes into explaining anxiety to people who don't get it, including your other kids. And episode 50 is explaining OCD to people who don't get it, including your kids, family, and friends. Both of them include friends, family, and friends. So check those out if you're having some difficult people, or if you don't understand anxiety or OCD, go back and listen to those episodes too, and get some information about what it is. Now, the bulk of you probably completely get anxiety and OCD because you're listening to this podcast, you're trying to inform yourself, and so you're not in that category. And 
you might be struggling and frustrated because you do know so much and you are consuming all this information, but your kids are just not getting on board. So why is that? Okay, let's break that down. This is not rocket science. So kids don't want to be difficult. Although, like we talked about, some parents might think they do. Nobody wants to be difficult. If you listen to like Ross Green, he'll talk about that a lot in his podcast or in his books. Like kids don't want to be difficult. They don't want to struggle, but they do just like everybody else because they're human. So basically kids are not motivated to work on their issues from what I have found because one, they're embarrassed. Okay. It's really embarrassing. If you're if you feel like you have to be brave and, you know, like a macho kind of guy, and maybe that is culturally influenced or in your family dynamic, that's kind of perpetuated. You're going to be really embarrassed that you're not quote unquote brave. I have a lot of little boys who tell me they don't want to talk about it because they're embarrassed that they're not quote unquote brave, which I think is so sad. Um, Also, people with OCD will have really embarrassing thoughts. They know that their thoughts don't make any sense. They know their thoughts are completely irrational. And so they're embarrassed. They don't want to tell you their thoughts because they feel like you're going to think they're insane. So embarrassment is one of them. Now you can work on embarrassment. I'm going to also talk about what you can do to help as I go through these so that we don't get lost in, um, all my explanations and then I don't come back to it. So, cause I'm not very organized in my thoughts. So the way to deal with embarrassment is one, talk about it in private, try to schedule out some time where you can go and talk about your child's issues without anybody there. My son is very, very private. And so I will take him to his special restaurant on Sundays, or I really try to, but to be totally honest, sometimes I fail and I forget, or I'm too tired. But when I do, I get a lot more information from him because he's not around his siblings or his family or will go in my room. So be aware of being sensitive about your child's privacy. And the second thing that you can do is normalize it. And so have them watch my YouTube videos that explain what is anxiety? What is OCD? If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to my YouTube channel because I make kid videos for your kids. This is for you. Podcasts are for you. YouTube is for them because that's just how our society is, right? I was making parenting videos on YouTube and I still have them. So you can go back and check them out. And sometimes when I interview people on here, I will throw it up on YouTube, but I transform my YouTube channel for your kids because that's where they're at. They're on YouTube and they'll listen to YouTube. (laughs) That'll change probably over time when YouTube is not cool anymore, just like Facebook's not cool anymore. But for now, that's where your kids are all at. So youtube.com backslash C backslash anxious toddler 78. And you'll find all my YouTube videos, or I leave a link below. And I have a video that's really helpful. That is just what is explaining anxiety to your child, explaining OCD to your child, look for those. Um, and if you can't find them, just hit all videos when you go onto my channel and you'll see the whole list of them and you'll find them. I'll leave a link below too. But that really helps normalize kids because they're like, I'm not alone. Look at all these comments under these videos. Like there's other people who get this and who feel this way. And why would there be a YouTube video on this if it isn't more common than I'm thinking? So that definitely helps to normalize it. (laughs) Even my kids will watch my YouTube videos, which I think is kind of hysterical. 
the other day I woke up and my six-year-old was watching my YouTube video, which as a total side note was really upsetting because they don't have access to YouTube. So she's like, mom, this video is really helping. And I said, what are you watching? And she said, I'm watching you, <laughs> which I thought was so funny. She's like, but I'm so sorry, mom. You did get two thumbs down. <laughs> like, that's okay, honey. There's going to be haters, but it's okay. But I said, what, what are you enjoying about it? And she, so she was listening to me and I was talking like I always talk to her, but it had more validity because it was on YouTube. Isn't that stupid? <laughs> but it's true. Anyway, she got to YouTube because there's an app there's a game on her iPad. And I guess when you hit a certain level, it turns into an ad and it goes to YouTube. Is that not crazy? Anyway, I just think as a parent, you should know that because I felt like I had everything locked down. And here's this game that gave them access to YouTube. And it probably pulled up my videos because that's probably like the last thing that was on there, but still totally not okay. So anyway, embarrassment's a big one and you really want to break the barrier without forcing them to talk about it. The second thing that kind of ruins motivation for kids is that it's just too hard for some kids. They're just in a really, really hard place and their anxiety or their OCD is too acute and they're trying. And I've had kids, I had one kid and she was trying so, so hard and she was doing every homework assignment I gave her, but her OCD was just way, way too acute. She went on a small dose of medication, came back, and she was like a different child. All the exposures, all the homework weren't as much of a struggle for her because she needed a little bit of help with medication. So find out if maybe the anxiety or OCD is too hard or what you're asking is too hard. A lot of times as as parents, maybe we don't want them to sleep in our bed. So we want them to go from sleeping in our bed, holding our hand, to in their own bedroom because it's so cool because you got new bunk beds, they should definitely sleep in their new room. No, that's not going to happen. So sometimes our expectations squash their motivation because they're too big. The expectations are too big. Instead, you want to take small incremental steps. So you're going to want to have your child sleep maybe on a little cot by your bed and then maybe by your door. And I talk a lot about sleep and so I won't go into it. There are other podcasts about that. You can go on my website at anxioustoddlers.com and you can go into the search button and you can type in sleep or bedtime and you're going to get lots of articles, uh, a couple of podcasts and a couple of very specific YouTube videos that will walk you through how to help your kids with sleep. But my point is sometimes our goals will ruin the motivation because they're too big. So that's the second one. The third one is that the kids themselves don't understand it. And so they don't identify with their anxiety or they don't identify their OCD. They think it's a part of them and they just want you to leave them alone because they're like, these are my quirks or this is who I am. I'm just afraid of the dark or I'm afraid to go to school or I just like being at home. They own their anxiety and they own their OCD so much that they're smushed together. And I always tell kids, you are not your anxiety or you are not your OCD. And if you team up with your anxiety or your OCD, then it's going to be with you for the rest of your life. And it's going to get greedier and it's going to want more and more things. And so if your kids don't understand why they shouldn't team up with their anxiety or OCD, or they just don't even understand the concept of what it is, 
you have to do a lot of education before you move into motivation. And every time I meet a new kid in my practice, I spend a good couple of sessions developing rapport and making sure that they completely understand their anxiety or OCD. I want them to understand it as much as I do before we move on to treatment, because if they don't get it, if they don't understand why I'm going to tell them to do some pretty weird things in the future with exposure therapy, or I'm going to tell them to lean in to their anxiety, they're not going to trust me and they're not going to be motivated to do it. And so as a parent, you really want to spend a lot of time educating your kids on what it is and how it works. And lucky for you, I'm here to help you. So like I talked about before, those two YouTube videos can be incredibly helpful. There's other ones too in there that talk about why you need to fight your anxiety and OCD. And actually this week I am doing a YouTube video. So this is coming out on Tuesday. If you're listening to this in real time. So this will come out on May 1st and to kind of complement this podcast, uh, my YouTube video for this week, which will come out on the third. So every Thursday I come out with a new YouTube video, but to be honest, I normally publish it on Wednesday, but I say Thursday so that no matter what I'm on time, <laughs> but the podcast is always Tuesday because I schedule it. I always do it on Monday and I post it on Tuesday, but whatever. So this week, if you're listening to it this week, if you're listening in real time on Thursday, there will be a YouTube video for your kids about why it's so important that they battle their anxiety or OCD and not team up with their anxiety or OCD. So maybe that will help too, now that I think about it and we're talking about it, but there are other videos too. So spend a lot of time working on that. Now, some of your kids may not want to watch the videos. They might be so unmotivated and they might be so nervous to talk about it that they don't even want to watch the videos. And most of the kids that I work with who are unmotivated start with that. They close their ears. They actually put their hands to their ears and they say, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to watch the video. I don't want to talk about it. And they get really angry. So you want to start off, start off really slowly. And I use reinforcers for this because you're not going to get that child willing to do things without some sort of positive reinforcement. And so sometimes I'll say to kids, they'll listen to me more than they'll listen to their parents because I'm not mom or dad and I'm in my, I'm in my office. And so I have a little bit more pull typically because kids are trying to be polite. And so I'll explain to kids, you know, if you don't battle your anxiety or OCD, then it's going to grow bigger and your anxiety or OCD doesn't want us to talk about it because if we talk about it, we take away all the power because your anxiety or insert OCD. I don't want to have to keep on saying anxiety or OCD, anxiety or OCD, but you know what I mean? So I say to them, your OCD wants to keep it a secret. It wants to team up with you and say, Hey, this is embarrassing. Don't talk about this. If you talk about this, people are going to think you're crazy. Or if you talk about this, especially with anxiety, it's going to be worse. You're going to be anxious about talking about it. So I approach kids by by telling them that this is how they're thinking. And so I'm calling it out and I'm saying, you think that if you talk about your anxiety, you're going to get more anxious. But in reality, it's just the other way around. The more you don't talk about it, the bigger it gets. Anxiety just doesn't want you to know that. OCD is the same way. OCD wants to be secret. It wants to be in cahoots with you. It says, it's just me and you. Don't tell anybody else. And the reason for that is if you did tell somebody else, they're going to teach you how to beat it. And OCD doesn't want to be 
beaten. So I'll make a video about that and um, that will explain it to your kids in a kid-friendly way. So those are the three areas typically that cause a lack of motivation in kids. It's embarrassing. The issue is too acute. It's too hard, um, which could be that the level of acuity is there or you're picking goals and challenges that are too high or they don't understand it or they're teaming up their anxiety or OCD. There's a lot of like ors. <laughs> so it's not really three. It's like it's like six, but I'm, I'm adding some as we go. So anyway, up next, I'm going to talk to you about different parenting styles around a lack of motivation, what we do as parents when our kids will not be motivated. And then I'm going to talk to you about how to motivate them in an effective way. Stay tuned. That's what's up next. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. Welcome back. So I want to get into the different parenting approaches briefly, and then I really want to spend the rest of this podcast talking about how to help your unmotivated child be motivated. So as parents, we tend to take various approaches when our kids are not motivated to work on their issues because we see where this is going. Maybe if we're on private Facebook groups, we can read other people's struggles and we think, oh my gosh, I don't want my kids to have that level of issue, or I don't want it to get that bad and they need to work on it right now. Sometimes our own anxiety fuels this. I know this does for me because I have the curse of not only having all the knowledge that you have as a parent worrying, but then I have all of these children in my head, all these examples, these thousands and thousands of kids I've worked with who have similar issues to my kids. And I've seen when it goes off the cliff and how ugly it can get. So it's scary because I can see some mild issues in my kids and go, oh my gosh, I know exactly where this is going to go. And it's not pretty. And then it can cause a lot of anxiety because I'm like, we need to nip this in the bud. We need to nip this in the bud. You know, when I have a child who has restrictive eating, I'm like, I don't want you to get G-tubed. Like that's where my brain goes because I've worked with kids who have feeding tubes because of OCD issues around restrictive eating. And so there's a whole slew of concern and panic that that I feel that I'm sure that you can relate to. So this is what normally happens. We have parents that will force it, right? You will go to this or you will do that or you will eat this or you will touch this or I'm not doing that for you. So we force it. We have parents that punish it. Okay, you don't have to go, but guess what's gonna happen? You're not having a sleepover. You're not going to your friend's house. Give me your phone, right? We punish it. Um, or you have a big blow up because you think something's contaminated or germy. And then I don't like the way you handled it. So now you're punished for life. So we punish it or we're super overzealous. <laughs> I use overzealous a lot because I can't think of a better word that describes well-intentioned parents who really want this to go away. And they're good students. They have learned everything they possibly can about anxiety or OCD. And now the one last component is just getting their kids to do it and they're hitting a snag. So they're overzealous. So they want to talk about it, process it, constantly name it, call it out. And the child is not having any of it. So I would say in general, those are about the three most common extreme approaches that we take when our kids are not motivated. Now, not everybody has those approaches, but those are the ones that I'm highlighting. 
So none of those are helpful because if you force it, you will push your child even further into their shell. They'll never talk about it and they'll never fight it. And then it really is you against them and their anxiety or OCD. If you punish it, it's even worse because they're not going to ever talk to you and they're not going to want to show you anything. So they're going to hide a lot of their symptoms, which is really not good. And if you're overzealous, okay, so confession, sometimes I'm in this category. (laughs) So I tend to be overzealous at times when I'm freaked out and I've had to take a, a step back. And even just recently with one of my kids, we were dealing with their issue and I've had a hard time with them communicating. I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more cryptic from now on about my kids' issues as far as which child I'm talking about because <laughs> this is so unfortunate. But So I moved my therapy practice 45 minutes away. So my therapy practice used to be in Chandler, Arizona, and then I moved it or I'm moving it next week up to North Phoenix where I actually live. Because for the last five years, I've been commuting 45 minutes one way to my office. So I'm moving up here. But the bad news about that is that people up here are going to start to know me in a professional capacity where I used to be kind of um, anonymous, which was good. But so it's very possible that people in my community can start listening to my podcast, which is nice and helpful, but I don't want my kids to be identified anymore or their stories. And so I'm going to be more cryptic moving forward to protect who I'm talking about. So I'll talk about my kids in general, or I'll be talking about a kid. Luckily, I have three kids. So um, we're going to approach it that way in moving forward. So anyway, this one child of mine, (laughs) I'm not even going to say what their age or their gender is anymore, because then that way there's some, because then there's some anonymity for them and protection for them. So, but I still do love to share with you my life and what's going on in my life. So I'm going to keep doing that because I think it's really important, one, for you to learn through stories and two, for you to know me and and my struggles as well. I think it's an important part of this podcast. I don't want to lose that. So I have one child who has a hard time talking to me about their issues. And I realized that every time they did tell me something that was wrong, um, we're talking about food now. So they would have a hard time and they would say, you know, I'm having this fear that this food, you know, is staring at me or something that was like just an intrusive thought. And then I would move right into challenge mode. Okay. Well, we should eat that then, right? We don't want to, you know, we don't want to be bullied by our OCD. So we should eat the food. So how about you eat it and we can do a challenge, you know, and then they might say, no, I don't really want to do it right now. I don't really feel like it. And I'd say, how about for 199 Robux? That sounds good. Doesn't it? No, I really don't want to do it. How about $4.99? And I would like push and push until they would eat it. But most of the time they'd only eat half. And then they would walk away feeling like a failure. And I would walk away feeling like a a therapist failure. And they wouldn't tell me next time that they're having a fear. Because who would want to go through that, right? So that's an example of me being overzealous. So lately I've moved back. And now we're kind of moving into how to motivate your kids. So I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to use myself as an example. And so we moved back and we realized this is their battle, not our battle. And I know I say that so much. And if you've taken any of my online classes, I have online classes for how to teach your kids how to crush anxiety. I have an online class on how to parent kids with OCD. And I go into 
exposure response prevention. And I have a new class, a new online class purely for social anxiety because I love talking about social anxiety because I have it. And that is actually for adults and for kids who are 10 and older. So in all of my classes, I am perpetually saying, this is your child's battle, not your battle. And this is very important for this episode because you have to philosophically wrap your brain around that, that you, this is not your timeline. This is not your battle and this is not your struggle. And so philosophically, when I stand back and I say, I'm here to guide, but I'm not here to drive. And so I have to, you know, maybe give them directions and maybe say, Hey, you might want to make a left or Hey, you know, the brakes, brakes, you might want to hit the brakes. But if they don't, it's their car and they're driving. So that's an important component. And yeah, it's really hard when you see your child struggling. Trust me, I have one child who's not eating, was doing a lot better, but then went off antibiotics and then slowly stopped eating again, which is so annoying. And then I have another child who's picking. And even though that's not an anxiety, it's a comorbid condition. And seeing that child have scabs all over their face or on their arm and not being able to fully control that is really difficult for me because it's physical and I can see it. But I have to remind myself, this is not my battle. Am I doing everything I can for my kids? Yes. You know, am I providing them with therapeutic insight? I even take them to a different therapist. So they have a special warm, fuzzy place. That's not mom, even though mom is a therapist and, and that's all I can do. And that's all you can do. And sometimes you're not going to even do that. And that's okay. Don't beat yourself up because it's a long road. And even if you hit a bump or you have a bad, ugly day, that's okay because you're human and you're not going to be perfect every day. If you were, then you aren't human. And that'd be really concerning, right? (laughs) So you want to motivate your kids by one, changing the way you perceive their issue. This is their battle. And then You want to frame that to your kids. I say that to kids in my practice. This is your battle. This is not my battle. Anybody who's ever come and seen me, if you have seen me and you're listening to my podcast, you're probably shaking your head. Yep, this is what she says every time because I always say this to the kids that come in my practice. I say, this is your battle. We are just in it to help you. So me and your mom or me and your dad or me and your parents, we're just here to help. But ultimately, this is your deal. If you don't want to work on it, that's your problem. That's your deal. We can't control that. I have no magic fairy dust. It's going to be sprinkled on top of you and will change your issues. The only person who can change your issues will be you. And that's an important message to convey to your kids. So changing the way you look at it and then changing the way you talk about it to your kids. And then if your child is having a problem, so I'm assuming at this point, So we'll put this on pause. And I'm assuming that you've already done the things that I talked about earlier in this podcast. So you have, you know, talked about their issues in private. You've started to help communicate things with them in a non-embarrassing sort of way. You have normalized their anxiety or OCD. You have set up easier challenges that aren't too hard. If their anxiety or OCD is too acute, you've maybe considered medication options And if you're not sure about that, you can listen to episode 64, I think, on medication. And you have shown them my YouTube video on anxiety or OCD, or you've read them books on anxiety or OCD. I feel like the videos are better as a brief introduction because 
it's simpler and it's quicker, but there's plenty of amazing books out there as well about that. After you've done all that, then you change your language, change your perception. Then when your child is having a problem in the middle of it, you don't jump in and try to fix it. You say, how do you want to handle it? So I'll give you an example. Um, We'll talk about one of my kids with picking because you can really use picking and pulling just as easily as an anxiety. And so my child is, um, you know, skin picking, which is a comorbid condition. And I actually did a whole podcast on that too. So if you haven't, if you have a child who's a picker or pulls their hair, listen to episode 62 and you'll, you'll hear all about how to handle that. And so in the past with her, oh, I just gave her gender. <laughs> this is going to be kind of hard for me to talk about. Um, but whatever. So I would see her picking and then I would say, um, where's your shoe bracelet? Or, you know, do you need a bandaid or, you know, stop picking your picking. And as I learned from that episode from Anila, who is, um, the creator of habit, habit aware, habitaware.com, which is anyway, I won't go into that. Just listen to the, that episode. That was a really interesting episode. But what I learned from that is you really have to you have to handle that issue. Like I tell parents to handle anxiety or OCD. So instead of doing that now, and this happened just last night. So she's sitting there. Um, and she, she has like an open wound on her arm, which makes me so upset because she's created that. And she said, Oh mom, this really hurts. Look at it. It's all red. So instead of moving right into my overzealous mom mode, which would be Oh my goodness, do you need a band-aid? Let's put a band-aid on that. We need to stop picking that, right? The wheeze, right? Not I or you, but the wheeze. You have to watch out for the wheeze because it shouldn't be a wee. It's not about you. So I said to her, yeah, that looks very red. What do you want to do about it? So she's very little and I still put that back on her. What do you want to do about it? Because we've already read books on this. We've already talked about it. She knows all her tools. She knows her danger zones. She knows the ways that she's supposed to uh, try to prevent doing this. And so she didn't need the education. So you do this with kids who've already been taught the education. And she said, well, I'm going to block it, mom. I'm going to block it with a Band-Aid. Can you get me a Band-Aid? I said, okay, sure. And then I just gave her a Band-Aid. I was unemotional. I was not wrapped up in her battle. And then this morning she said, mom, look, I haven't picked off the bandaid. And I said, oh, you must be really proud of yourself. You're you're working really hard on this issue, huh? So it's semantics, but listen to my words. I said, you must be very proud of yourself. I didn't say, I am so proud of you. Good job for not picking your arm. (laughs) No, because it's not about me. So when you're aware of it and Honestly, I can't always remember to speak that way because who really speaks that way without it being a little bit of a struggle, but tell your kids, you must be proud of yourself. Don't make it about you. And then I praised her battle and I said, you must be proud of yourself. You're really fighting this issue. And so I am, I am really rallying support for her fighting her own issues. And that's how you want to try to handle these issues moving forward is encouraging your kids, but not forcing them in a way that it's more about you and your battle than about them. I've had kids in my practice, they'll come to me and we're, we're we're about to do exposure therapy. And 
often the kids will say, I'm not going to do it. You can't make me do that. And I'll say, oh, that's totally fine. I'm not, I'm not going to make you do anything. And then they'll say, you're not? I said, no. I go, I am here as a guide. I'm like a coach. You know, you come here and you want to work out. I'm going to show you all the best machines to go and I'll tell you how many reps to do. But if you say, I'm not doing that today, I'm tired. I'm not going to fight with you. I'm just here as a guide. So when I do that, it's interesting because more often than not, the kids are taken back because they're ready for a battle and they're much more willing to do what I said. And I also break it down into really small, little bite-sized pieces of challenges that aren't that bad. And so it's not that scary to do what I'm saying. And most of the time they'll say, okay, I'll, I'll do that. Cause they'll say, Hey, you don't have to do that. What are you willing to do? What would you like to do to take control over your life? What would you like to do to crush your anxiety? Because your anxiety is really bullying you. And it makes me really sad to see you be a victim to your anxiety or your OCD. And this isn't going to change. So any small step you take in the right direction instead of the wrong direction is beating your anxiety or your OCD, even just calling it out, even just saying, I know this is my OCD. Hey, bonus for you. You just took a step in the right direction. I know this is my anxiety. That's okay. Um, With one of my kids who's having the eating issues, they didn't want to eat something and they vocalized to me what it was. And it was a very bizarre, intrusive thought. It was very upsetting because they don't normally tell me, I think the level of intrusive thoughts that they're having. And they told me the thought they were having around this food because they asked me to make shrimp. It was really weird. It was in the morning and they were really hungry and they were like, please, can I have shrimp? And because this child never eats, I will make anything for this kid. So I was like, sure. So I make shrimp, like I bake breaded shrimp in the morning before school. I have no time for this, but I do it anyway. And I present this food because I just want this kid to eat. And then they don't eat it and they push it away. And one of the compulsions they do is they have to move it far away from them. And that's an indication to me that something has happened. And so I said, what's wrong with the shrimp? And I say it quietly because I don't want to embarrass. And they say, you know, shrimp have legs and shrimp have tails. And I said, well, these are breaded shrimp and they don't have anything. And well, I think that they have poisonous tails. And so it was just, and, and my child knows it's an intrusive thought that makes no sense, but couldn't move past it. And so I did say, that's your OCD. Maybe you want to eat it anyway. And they said, no. And then normally that's when I go into bargain mode well, what if I pay you this much? What if I pay you that much? Let's do an exposure. Let's not let it beat you. And I get overzealous. And this time I didn't. And I stayed quiet. And I said, you know what? That was pretty awesome that you were able to tell me what your thoughts were. Because I know that was really hard. And I really appreciate that you were able to tell me what the thought was around why you couldn't eat that. Because normally you don't. So I'm going to give you some Robux for that. And so I gave my child a reward for opening up because that's the stage we're at right now. And that's the focus is communication and openness, not being embarrassed. So you got to meet your child where they're at. Even if you want them to be farther along and say, well, I don't want them to just tell me, then I want them to, to do it. I don't want them to ever give in to their OCD or their anxiety. That's not realistic. You have to take it one step at a time. And so 
we didn't. And then my child had a banana because fruit is kind of a compulsion. <laughs> it's a long story. But anyway, so they had a banana and I went back one more time and I said, I'm going to throw this out. Are you sure you don't want it? And they said, you know, I still did beat my OCD because I was feeling nauseous and which is a big component of the OCD thing that's going on over here. Um, we have a little bit of a metaphobia, which is the fear of throwing up related to the OCD. It's complicated, but they said, and I ate the banana, even though I felt nauseous. So that's a win mom. That's a win. And you know what? For a kid to articulate that, that's impressive. And so I left it at that. And that's because I've started to take a step back. So I'm telling you as much as I'm telling me. I do that a lot in my podcast. I'm teaching you as I'm teaching myself because parenting is messy. And it's good for us all to process this. I know how I should parent, but I'm still a parent. And you may know how to parent, but you're still a parent. And so it doesn't. it's not about education. It's just about being in the thick of things and taking a deep breath, taking a step back and saying, this is not my battle. I am here to support my child. It's not about how much you love your child. It's about whose battle it is. And so your effort doesn't define your love or your care. Your effort has nothing to do with it because it's about your child's effort. And you're not a part of that. There's only so much you can do. You can, and you can do too much because you can push too hard. As I'm telling you, I have and you can talk about it too much, or you can be too punitive. And so it's better to respect your child's pace, regardless of what anyone else is saying, including partners and relatives. Screw them. I'm sorry, but they don't understand. They don't know what's going on. And so you have to not, you have to tune those people out and say, my kid can't even talk about this. So that's where we're focusing. All my energy is going on just the communication between me and my child and allowing them to feel comfortable and safe enough to tell me what is scaring them without me putting any pressure for them to do something about it. I can gently say, would you like to take a challenge? And if they say no, I leave it at that. So when I'm talking about challenges, this is the last thing I wanted to talk about before I let you go is it's not like I'm actually holding you captive. (laughs) It sounded like it was a class all of a sudden, but I do use challenges as a motivator and a lot of times parents in my practice will have a hard time with this or their partners will because they'll say things like, well, I'm not going to bribe my child to behave or I'm not going to bribe my child um, to do something that everybody else in society can do already. And really that's the wrong mentality because behavior modification is a key component to beating anxiety or OCD. And for children, they're not going to really get the intrinsic value necessarily of why it's great to beat their anxiety or OCD. They're not going to see the long-term benefit. They're not going to, I do spend time in the very beginning when I'm educating kids about the long-term risks, not to scare them. I will say I have older kids in my practice who have the same exact issue as you. This is not a baby issue. This is a human issue. And this is not going away. You're not growing out of this unless you do something. And in fact, unfortunately, a lot of times it will get worse because anxiety and OCD get greedy, get hungry, and the more you give it, the more it wants. So I do try to motivate them in that way, but kids in general, developmentally, don't see long-term consequences. That's just developmentally, their brain is not set up to see long-term consequences. Their frontal lobe is not fully developed. They're not going to fully get that. 
So for you to say, it's going to feel so great if you just don't have OCD anymore, or you don't have anxiety anymore, they're not going to buy into that. One, they may think that's impossible. And two, they may not realize how bad it's going to be to live with this forever. So intrinsic motivation is not always there. For some kids it is, but for a lot of kids it's not. So external motivation is something that you're going to need to utilize. And that's not a bad thing because if you set up like a box of treasures, depending on how old your child is, or you have kind of on mental tap things that you can offer as rewards for your kids. So right now at my house, the currency is Robux. My kids love Roblox. They spend a lot of time playing Roblox. They want money on Roblox to buy more digital stupid things. So they do. And I am more than happy to give them 99 cents as increments because I would go to the dollar store anyway and buy dollar toys. And so to me, it's the same thing. And what you're doing is you're encouraging your kids through these external reinforcers to do things that they never would do in small incremental ways. And it has to be their choice. And then when they do them over time, they realize this is not that big of a deal. Even in my therapy practice, I do this. I mean, I will sometimes, this is going to sound very unprofessional, (laughs) so bear with me, but I mean, I will sometimes for the teenagers, I will give them cash because cash says something. I will give them five or $10, or I'll go and I'll buy stuff on Amazon because I always have Amazon credit. So I will buy things for kids. And I have this treasure box in my office that are specific treasures for kids. But I found the teenagers, they just really want the cash or iTunes credit. And I'll have them do exposures in my office just to get them started. And I'll say, you can earn this if you do this exposure, because I know that this is really, really hard for you. Like I'm basically asking you to hold cancer for some of them or eat pee. Now they're not literally doing that, but their OCD sees it that way. So none of you would eat pee if I said, hey, just do it because it's going to make you feel better. But if I gave you a reinforcer, if you're an adult and I said, I'll give you a hundred dollars, let's take like a college gamble here then who knows, you might be willing to do it. Maybe not eat pee. But I'm not talking about a kid eating pee. (laughs) This conversation is getting weird. I'm sorry. I'm talking about maybe like my hand touching something, like a doorknob where they think there was pee. Like, because OCD is irrational. So, and then I'm giving them like a mint or something. To them, their OCD is saying, we don't know what was on the doorknob. And so we don't know what's on the mint. So basically I'm eating pee pee or germs or dirt, whatever. My point is I will get kids to do that for a reinforcer. And then they'll say, that wasn't a big deal. Well, now that I've eaten pee, which they didn't, I can do anything. I don't have to wipe the way that I wipe, or I don't have to wash the way that I wash a few times of exposure like that. And it takes the power away from the OCD, but the kid would not have done that would not have literally in their mind walked off a cliff without seeing the ledge that was right below them without some sort of reinforcer and anxious kids are the same way, but I don't force them. I don't say I'm giving you 10 bucks. So you need to do it. No, I say, look, you don't have to do it. It's totally fine. If you want to, you can. And so in my home, I don't ever force my kids to do any challenges. I call them challenges, but they're kind of like exposures. I don't force my kids to do that, but it's constantly part of our language. And so it might be go upstairs and grab your shoes. I don't want to, it's dark. Well, you could take a challenge. 
Okay. But if you take your challenge, you have to walk and not run. Okay, fine. Um, Or sometimes it's, I don't want to. I'm too tired. I don't want to do it. Not this time. I get that a lot at my house. Not this time. I'll do it next time. And I say, okay, because it's their battle, not mine. So just some information for you, just a different perspective for you to look at. Um, Hopefully that will help you a little bit. So to summarize, kids don't, kids aren't motivated, not because they're lazy, but because they might be embarrassed, it might be too hard, or they may not understand it. And we don't want to force it, punish it, or be too overzealous because that does not help the situation. We're going to have days where we do that. I do, and I told you I do, but you just start over the next day. So you want to help motivate your kids. You want to start talking about how proud they must be about themselves, how they're such fighters. Look at you fighting your anxiety. Look at you fighting your OCD. Or this is your battle, not mine, and I think you're kicking butt today. Those kind of words and encouragement can help because you're reframing it for your kids. And then set up challenges and always have them on tap, ready to go. If your child doesn't want to do something or touch something, then you suggest, hey, you can take a challenge. You don't have to. And I I normally downplay it. I'll say, oh, you don't have to. Don't even worry about it. It's fine. But if you want to, you can. And then I look away and I go do something else. And and I'm, I'm basically conveying to them, this is your deal, not mine. So, ugh, anxiety and OCD can be messy. And I hope that you found some wisdom in some of what I'm saying today. If you're enjoying my podcast, I would greatly appreciate some feedback. If you can give a star on iTunes, that really helps give some input into the show. Or you can leave a comment about how the show is helping you. I would greatly appreciate that. I come out with new episodes every Tuesday, so don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss one, and I will talk to you next week. I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.